What is the millennial boom? It might just be the sound of warfare across the two largest generations in America today. Boomers number 76 million, but millennials are maxing out at 82 million. Is it possible to reduce the friction and respect each other? In meetings all over America, millennials and boomers are trying to work together despite their massive differences. She might be smiling on the outside, but inside she is very tired of dealing with her boomer boss. What's cool about this podcast is we cover the five areas of conflict, workplace and workspace, schedules and priorities, dress and body art, marriage and children, and last but not least, technology. We're gonna have rules of engagement to help you thrive in life and work. Let's thrive together on Millennial Boom Podcast. Welcome to the Millennial Boom Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kelly, small business owner, entrepreneur, and strategist in the produce and supply chain industry. Welcome. Today, I have Captain Will Smith, author and corporate pilot. Welcome, Will. Thanks, Patrick. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Awesome. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me. Now, let's talk about your two books real quick, Ditches to Riches and Falling from the Sky. That is correct. The original version of Falling from the Sky was Squawk 7500, but no one uh, knew what that meant, so I retitled it and, of course, uh, um, put a new cover on it. It's about an experience that I went through of uh, wrongful incarceration and imprisonment and having to fight. Each person, you know, in... It goes through life and experiences something different. And my story reaches out to a lot of uh, people because they can relate. They don't feel like they're um, alone in the world. So I use that to kind of as a foundation and a basis so everybody knows where I'm coming from. After I was released and exonerated, well, I, um, I was almost homeless. I was sleeping on a, a friend's couch. I had uh, nowhere to go. I had no money. I had no car. I had no job. Um, all I had was my freedom and my two hands. So Ditches to Riches is where I reinvented uh, myself, uh, started digging ditches in the Florida sun, and then of course now I'm a corporate pilot flying you know, private jets around for big CEOs uh, here in, in Tampa Bay. No, that's fantastic. And it's funny because I say it's funny, but my wife, so I've had the book on the shelf. I read it when we met at the Tampa Bay Business Network event back in, I believe it was around June or July, yeah, I believe. Yeah, it was late summer. Yeah, late summer. Uh, Will and I met. We had a book signing event together. And I've had this book on my bookshelf uh, since then. And it was funny because my wife says to me, she goes, where'd you get this book from? And I see her eyes like lighting up, like not with like, you know, like the love of my life. It was like, Oh my God, what is this? And how did you get this book? And then I told her, I said, well, Will Smith. And she's like, what? She's like, we're getting jiggy with it? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I said, uh, this is Captain Will Smith, you know, kind of gave her your background. Um, and I will tell you, she pounded this book out in maybe two hours. Yeah, well, I, I have a lot of people that will text me at 1.30 in the morning saying I couldn't put the book down. It, that was it. That's what she told me. Um, so yeah, it, it was crazy. I read the book. I, I look at things on a whole different point of view. Kind of look through a broken, uh, broken glass, looking glass. So it's kind of like I, I kind of see your story. I felt it. I've got friends like I've told you that have, have been through that and not one, mm -hmm. right? So um, I kind of looked at it like, oh my gosh, this is this is something that this guy has resilience. He's pushing through and he's building himself back up. And as I told you back when I was a kid, I, I say kid, I feel like I still am a kid, but I, I mean, I lived in my car. Um, so I was homeless. I didn't have a friend's sofa to sleep on. I mean, I was sleeping in my 1994 Honda Civic, right? Um, wasn't too much room in there either. So, uh, but let's get started. So Will decided to come on the show today because as we've been talking over the last few months and working together, there's the five areas of conflict uh, that we have, the millennial boom has really seen the generalizations of. Mm -hmm. So we have workspace and workplace, schedules and priorities, dress and body art, technology, mm -hmm. and marriage and family. These five areas have been the top five areas of conflict in, 
I would say over 500 companies that Hans and I have researched and talked to over the past three years. So you were pretty passionate about two of them. Yes. Um, The first one was technology, which we'll get into. And the second one uh, was marriage and family. So what we'd like to do and what I love our viewers to hear is how can we thrive together in life and work? So I'll let you decide which topic do you want to talk about first. And my overall goal for our listeners is thriving in life and work with each generation. Now, before you start, what generation are you? I'm Generation X. Ooh, Generation X. Now, remember what I told you. I'm a 1973 model. 73A. Hey, good year. (laughs) Good year. Well, and remember what I said. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about the two biggies in the uh, workplace today, which is millennials and boomers. But... We still have a large amount of Generation Xers in middle management and that are in direct competition with millennials today. And you're going to talk about that, about the millennials coming up into your workforce today, which would be the aviation industry. So let's talk about it. All right. Um, <clears throat> the technology that's associated uh, when I was learning how to fly back in the 1900s, <laughs> uh, <laughs> late 1900s. Um, Back with Amelia Earhart? Yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> they were the first two that uh, piloted over the the Atlantic and the Pacific. Right. So, yeah. Uh, we, it was just steam gauges uh, that we called them. And these are basically gyroscopic instruments. And we called it a six-pack because those are the three gauges we looked at. Now, in today's, um, in 2020, we're using our iPads, believe it or not, to program our airplanes to fly from point A to point B. Wait a minute. i got to stop you. I'm not allowed to have my phone on the plane. You're telling me these things are controlled through iPads. That's correct. Okay. Uh, up in the up in the cockpit, we sync everything through our iPad with our GPS, and that's the technology that a lot of the younger guys are starting to learn now, but us older guys are kind of struggling with it because the technology is so grand. Me, on the, I was very interested in the technology. You know, Whenever technology would come out, I'd be the first guy there to, to learn about it. Um, it makes for a safer environment, flying environment, piloting environment. Um, but a lot of the older guys that are retiring, they just don't, they don't want to see it. We have now, we used to have a, these big uh, bags that we would carry all our charts and plates around it. Some of the old timers still do that. I, I use an iPad uh, because I can put all those plates and charts on the iPad and it makes for a more roomier cockpit where we're not having these big bags to carry around. So let me stop you again. You keep saying the older people that want to retire or are retiring which Which, generation are you speaking of i'm speaking of the baby boomers because they have a mandatory retirement of 65 um oh there is a mandatory retirement within the aviation community or industry of 65 for commercial pilots for american or u.s airways you have to retire at 65 you're not and that's for the the brain and the reaction time it starts slowing down they've they've discovered um, stop the tapes. Let's stop. I mean, Will, if I could tell you anything right now, I mean, that is a, that's a very cool statement because I can tell you that in my industry with the supply chain management and agriculture, um, I've got guys that are still 80 sitting on the desk mm-hmm. and still owning multi-billion dollar companies, multi-million dollar organizations, right? We went from billions to millions, but you have guys that are still controlling millions and millions of dollars and I think that, like what you just said, you said because why? Because as we get older, our reaction time, our brain function slows. So down. what's the difference between any other job and in aviation? This is a struggle that millennials and even yourself is going through too. Generation X, millennials, iGens, is that if they're not told when to let go, right? Right? We're told when to start. Right? When we turn eighteen, we have right. to start. Right. But when they're not told when to let go, they're going to hold on as far as possible. So that's a great observation. Thank you. I appreciate that. Listeners, 65 years old uh, for the aviation to retire. What other industries are out there? Please reach out to us. What other industries that you know of that are that have a retirement age? It, there's not really a whole lot. I mean, it's you know they, they say when you start collecting Social Security, that's when you should retire. But the aviation industry is, no, you will retire at 65. Wow. Um, you don't have a choice. Now, some of the guys, you know, will retire out of aviation and get into the private sector and still fly. But um, as far as airlines are concerned, you know, it's uh, 
They, they don't want anybody up there making uh, slow decisions or bad decisions because, I mean, you have to look at it. My, the avi aviation industry is the safest way of travel, but you're traveling at 500 miles an hour, and you have seconds to make a decision. Um, not like some people you know, working, they can think it out, they can talk to their, you know. Print an email. Right, exactly. Okay, boomer. Yeah, no. so. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it's, it, it's, but it's true though. But what about uh, your perspective of technology? Think about it as we start advancing more in technology. And I see this from my son who is an iGen, that when I go to Google and I type in, ready? Search engine, how to, or Captain Will Smith, Google's a different platform. Mm -hmm. My 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 iGens, guess what they're doing? You no, know, you, you look up how to's on YouTube. Right. And I've seen that the older generations, even Generation X, is not adapting to that fast enough. How you see boomers, if you tell them to look something up, they go on Google. Mm -hmm. Generation X, they go on Google. And, and it yeah, and it's coming to where it's harder for them to learn. As you get older, it's harder for you to learn uh, about the new technologies. Uh, especially with these older airline pilots, the the baby boomers, and they just can't grasp it. They just don't get it. And literally, in, in the private sector, people um, on the NTSB awards, they literally flew the plane into the ground by not knowing the technology. Really? Yes. So, so there so, could be actually very devastating consequences. Yeah, yeah, that could happen. Yep. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and I want you to give me an M for millennials. A B for boomers, and because you're an Xer, you can say if you think it's an Xer trait. Okay. okay? All right. So I think you know it'll be it'll be a little bit of fun. So, all right. Old people use email. That would be a millennial. <laughs> Why do those parents let each of their children be on those iPads when they could be? Out doing things in the streets, That'd or just be, be a boomer. It's like he, he won't even let me finish. He won't even let me finish. Okay, why does she keep calling me without texting me first? Well, millennial. They don't have a landline anymore. Boomer. Is it just me, or am I never without my smartphone? That would be a millennial. Can't we just talk at dinner time? That would be a boomer or an Xer. You know. Okay. All right. If I need to find him, I text him. That would be a millennial, definitely. Or sometimes an Xer if you're looking for your child. Yeah. Okay. That's what we do now. Right, because again, remember, thrive in life and work. A lot of these, um, I would say the generalizations, are not just about work. Again, we Will and I have had many conversations off the mic that we've talked about family, and we'll go into a little bit more of this in family and marriage, but again, life and work. What happens with your parents, your siblings, everything that happens in life, somehow transcribes into your work life. It always it always will. All right, last but not least, I hate Facebook. All those old people have taken it over. Oh, millennial. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean it's true though. I mean, um, but I will tell you there is no uh, there's no greater gulf between the generations of technology. Technology has been a huge huge advocate for our change. But everybody talks about that they want to change, but no one puts in the work to do it. Not hard work, it's smart work, right? You have to dig deep and really think about what you're doing. No, it's working smarter, not harder. That's what I always promote, right? So talk to me more about technology. What other things are, are, are happening in aviation in your world that will help millennials and boomers thrive together? Because you are a middle generation that is you just told me earlier, you're teaching the millennials coming up. Mm -hmm. Millennials are anywhere from age 21 to 37 Correct. at this point. And, and I am a teacher. I am an instructor. Uh, the biggest, you know, help is going to be when the boomers retire because they're the older boomer generation. They're stuck in their ways. They don't like change. Um, they don't, you know, they don't want to lean into change, and this creates a problem. Um, if you're not willing to lean into what's going on, uh, what I've done is uh, to kind of bridge or uh, bridge that gap is I tell the new students, the millennials and the, and the newer students, the I generation, I guess is what it is now, um, that they need to start out with the technology. Don't learn it the old school way because that Ooh. will get confusing. Uh, and this is my, you know, just trying to help them. They don't want to have to go through the struggle of learning one technology 
which existed 40 or 50 years ago and transitioning into learning the new technology because eventually the old technology is going to be obsolete and it already is with the, with the discovery of GPS and satellites. We're not using the ground-based guidance systems anymore. So it, to, to bridge that gap, why learn the old? Just go jump right in with the new. <clears throat> learn that technology now because that's going to allow them to advance quicker uh, and not take as long and they'll be more proficient and a lot, a lot safer uh, at that job, that sensitive job position they have, which is a pilot. Well, I will, I will tell you that you've solved all my problems. Um, if, the, if the boomers just, just retire, uh, then, then we're good. Um, it's, it, and it's, it's true, though, um, to, I would say to a, um, to a point, right? Because I believe that we all need to understand where everybody came from. So I do believe that when uh, we go in for training, we need to show them what was then and how we got to the point where we are today, which I believe we all do within job training. You show them yeah, where we started. And that's like any job. You're going to learn the history of where it developed from, but that's where it stops. But that's not where the job is today. Correct. And I, and I think that a lot of business owners, a lot of managers, um, again, born in the 70s, tell me if I'm wrong, they still feel like this is the 80s and the 90s. Yes. I mean, they're not... Um, We're not listening to the music that the the millennials or the people of 2000 listen to. We're listening to uh, Prince and Michael Jackson and you know and the Eagles and uh, the Stones, which is my favorite band. Uh, but a lot of them are like, who are the Stones? Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, listen, <laughs> you know? I know every single one of those. So as a millennial, I will uh, let you know that millennials listen to all types of music. Okay. So I listen to jazz. I've been to many jazz concerts with my friend down in Mission Viejo when I lived in California. I've been to, um, geez, Avenged Sevenfold. Probably never heard of that, nope, have you? Nope, um, they're like the new ACDC of today's age. Okay. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of things that I agree. I know all those, but then you're right. I listen to Post Malone. I listen to NF. I listen to Eminem. I listen to Halsey. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are all new people that are now between the ages of probably 18 and 30. I mean, Eminem's now what, 40? He's yeah, your age. Yeah, I mean, he's 42 yeah. now. Um, but I, I do agree that Gen X definitely have a status quo routine they again if uh, david bowie was my uh, guy back then i still listen to david bowie um i listened to when i grew up and my brothers are going to laugh hysterically once they hear this i was a huge michael bolton and janet jackson fan growing up posters on the wall i mean who couldn't love janet jackson (laughs) back in the days i was a 10 year old (laughs) janet jackson poster on my wall and then michael bolton with his perm on the other side of my wall (laughs) I mean, my my brothers would laugh at me, but look, I'm in I'm an '80s baby, but look, Jackson, Michael Jackson, yep. Janet Jackson, yep. um, I mean Michael Bolton. All right. That's All your right. era. But as I grew up, that's what I had to listen to. And then as the the age of rap came in, um, right, we, well, we transitioned. Yeah, and I, I just see for now the kids are all this gangster rap crap, and that's what they idolize and. And it's it's I kind of have to laugh at it because it it doesn't to me it doesn't sound like music. All right, I'm gonna give you I'll give you I'll give you the one <laughs> and thing old, old right and talking. listen that's what we want to hear. <laughs> but listen to this though, ready? And we talked about this at the event uh, um, when we first met. Is this is again it's it's a little bit of opinion, mm-hmm. right? But I believe that passion overrides experience. Okay, Do so. Right, because guess why? We would never have had a Whitney Houston. We would never have had an Eminem, a Post Malone, a David Bowie, a Michael Jackson. If someone didn't see their excellent talent and said, you know what, I'm going to give you the platform to showcase your talent. That's what happened with a lot of these artists. That's why they are who they are. That's why it's so hard to get into mainstream today because now there's so many of them, right? trying to get where they need to be, but well, yeah. only so many of them are got the passion. Well, you have to have passion in everything that you're doing in life. You know, you're, you're really, without the passion, the experience is basically, you know, you're fine-tuning your passion to make it better. Um, but if you don't, you're not passionate about something and you're bored, you're never going to succeed in it. You know, it, you make goals to reach your path, you know, to, to strive towards your passion. And it, it's just that that's how I see it is working. You know, create goals, create steps. And if you love doing something, it'll never get old. It'll never get boring. Exactly. You know? And that's why I say, because I always get 
I see on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram that um, I, I see these posts that I've been doing this for 25 years. You're paying for my experience. Don't think you can come in in one day and you know do what I do. And I fight that a lot because I've gone gone into companies where I've consulted for where I've been completely out of my norm. Like I went from, you know, produce to all sudden technology and I've come in and been like, you guys are screwed up. You guys, boom, boom, boom. But because they didn't have the passion and what they were doing and I'm sitting here going, I have a, I guess maybe a level of experience, but it's more passion to me when I look at things of, I'm going to put my heart into this. And when I start interviewing people and talking, it's like, no, your passion's not there. Well, let me ask you this. If you're going to board an airplane, you put your life in someone else's hands. Do you want someone that has 30 years experience or do you want somebody that's just passionate about flying? So I, I always say that, yes, the, it, the answer right off the bat would be no. I would want someone experienced in what they're doing, right? Um, but in another sense, if you had someone, again, that says, I, I can fly a plane, I'm gonna, again, look at Amelia Earhart, how many hours of training does she have? She put a lot of work in to do what she was doing to do something that everybody told her that couldn't be done. Mm -hmm. So I agree, but was she the ex most experienced 30 years in the business to do it? No. no, she had a passion and a talent to do what she wanted to do. So would I have gone with her? I probably would have. She, maybe even if she had 10 years experience, just that level of, I can do this, we're gonna get here. Boom, you know what I mean? So I, immediate answer, no, I'm not gonna get on a commercial airline pilot with my with my brother flying the plane. <laughs> but he might be passionate about right? it. Right, but if now if this guy's been in the aviation world his whole life, he's you know he's studied planes, boom, boom, and, and all of a sudden it came down to like one of those MI, MI6 movies where they're like, who knows how to fly, fly a plane? Anyway, yeah. And he's like, I can do it. I'm like, get him on here. Well, of course. But I do agree with you. Yes, experience is, is, is a level. But I also say we wouldn't have a lot of people without the talent that they had. Mm -hmm. I mean, Post Malone is very talented, mm -hmm. very, very talented in what he does. Do you think over time, in the next 25 years, he'll get more experienced or more tattoos? <laughs> Probably more tattoos. But you see what I'm saying? <laughs> right. You're right. So... That I agree with you. I agree with you on, on both sides. Yes, hundred percent. Okay. So um, I'm gonna read. A, I'm gonna read um, a quote from my book. Okay, by uh, by Patrick Nelson. And actually, it's more of a research. So whether we like our smartphones or not, we all seem to be addicted to them. Would you agree? Oh, we are. Okay. Number one addiction: cell phones. Recent study found that the average person interacts with their smartphones. 2,617 times a day. Wow. Wow. Who counted that? Wow. It's, it's a, it, yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, I touch my phone enough, but yeah. And then, um, and it's not generational. The heaviest smartphone users click, tap, or swipe their phone 5,427 times per day. Wow. Crazy, huh? Well, how many seconds are in a day? That's saying that. that <laughs> because that, that's, I mean, that's, that's the big numbers. About, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, it is. I mean, that, that it's, it's huge. So uh, by every interactions, the tap, the, the swipe, the click, they call those touches, right? Mm -hmm. So if, every time you just pick up your phone, I mean, tw 15, 20 years ago, we didn't even care about our flip phones no, or our pagers. We were like, great, we have to put this on our belt? Right. We have to carry this around with us? No way. So... Um, Hans and I had very different journeys through technology. We talk about natives versus settlers. I feel Hans says, you know, I'm more of a native to technology or why he's a settler. I believe that the iGens are the actual natives to technology. They're growing up with the instant access to technology. I'm still learning how to use YouTube. I'm still learning how to use search engines. I'm still learning a lot of these things, um, but yet my nephew can come up to me and say, hey, do this, this, and this, and I'm like, you don't even have an iPhone. How do you know how to do this? Mm -hmm. um, but the ad adaptation to technology, I mean, they're, they're getting it so much faster. Um, so what would you think as a, as a Generation X looking at the boomers and the millennials, you're an outside looking in, um, how do you feel that technology can, through your industry, thrive? Well, it just makes a safer environment, you know, and, and, te and, and, and aviation, my industry is a little bit different than a lot of others. We only make up 1% of the workforce as pilots. Wow. <clears throat> just 1%. So it's a small industry. It's a very niched industry. However, safety is um, number one. Uh, they've got 
aircraft now that will land and stop themselves on the runway with zero input from the pilot, uh, which is really awesome because you didn't used to have that 40, 50 years ago. So the more technology um, or more technical that we get in our industry in aviation, the safer it is for you know, the, the people on board the aircraft. Um, but yeah, the, that, and that's why I'm so big in teaching the technology out the gate. Yeah, learn the history you know, of aviation you know, from the Wright brothers and what, they, what we started with versus what we have now. But learning that technology is going to create a safer uh, pilot, a safer environment for the passengers. I like it. I like it. And if you remember, and I know this was a revolutionary day in technology, everybody remembers it. Um, but there, back in 2001, Apple introduced the first iPod, okay. right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And it didn't just, it, it didn't just change the way that we all listen to music. It changed the entire music industry. Um, then they came out and said they're releasing three new pieces of technology. Do you remember that? The iPhone and the I, was it the iPad? So they said they're going to introduce three revolutionary products that will revolutionize the class of the iPod. The first one is a widescreen iPod with touch controls. The second is a revolutionary mobile phone. And the third is a breakthrough internet communications device. Okay. <laughs> Steve Jobs. Yep. He's up there talking, and so the three things, the widescreen, the phone, the internet device, an iPod, a phone, an internet communicator, were saying this, oh, he kept saying it over and over again, if you remember. Mm -hmm. And then he said, an iPod, a phone, are you getting it yet? These are not three separate devices. This is one device, and we're calling it the iPhone. Mm -hmm. Technology graphs graphs so big in one piece of the music industry do you feel that that could happen within the aviation industry in years to come to where it completely starts you know i see the gadgets i see the, I mean, the it already has with the ipad um, what we do when i do my cross-country planning i do it on the ipad everything's done on the ipad what about the controls in the aircraft though could you Not, see that changing to digital it's Everything has gone pretty much from analog to digital now. Okay. The actual, we call it a glass cockpit. Um, so it's, it's basically having a big iPad that you're looking at. Oh, really? And it's touchscreen. Um, so, yes, that's where it's going. Um, and, and like I said, when I file my flight plan with the FAA so they know that you know, we're getting ready to, to blast off, um, it syncs via Bluetooth to the actual navigation equipment that's on the aircraft. So I will Bluetooth sync my iPad to that navigational GPS equipment, uh, which is called a Garmin, um, and uh, the plane does the rest. The only thing input really from me now and flying is I take off and I land, and the plane does everything else in between, wow. and with without uh, with very little input from me. Wow, that's crazy. Well, then, the, so we do. We see a lot of hope, and we've, we've seen it. We've seen it in the music industry. We've seen it in classrooms across America. I mean, I remember in a few short years from college, I mean, it went from no laptops in school to being able to have laptops. Right. Now they require it. So um, there's been a lot of so different- Laptops were a distraction. Right, it was a distraction <laughs> yeah. back then. Because using it as a tool to learn. That's the goal, right? right. So using these tools and, and moving forward. I mean, you have to look at the drones, you know. Um, there there are, there are militaries using drones. A guy is in Arizona in a cubicle flying an airplane on the other side of the world. You know, doing airstrikes. I didn't even think, you know what's funny is I didn't even think yeah. about that and we're okay with that. So I have one question before we move on to the next topic and it's a, it's a serious one. And I want to know the truth regardless of it affects your flying status. <laughs> you hear that everyone? I hope all the aviation industry is listening at this point. We're not allowed to text and drive or be on our cell phones while driving. I mean, seriously though. I mean, you're up, you're 35,000 feet in the air. There's no lanes. I mean, there's no reindeers crossing. I mean, I mean, do you look at your phone? I mean, do you guys, or is it a strict policy? No phones in the cockpit, no, no distractions. I mean, th th this is why they tell everyone to turn their phones off because it does use a radio frequency. It does. And if everybody is transmitting and trend, you have a something called bleed over that we have in the cockpit. We really don't care in midair 
but if you have that bleed over when we're landing and it and it messes with the ground controls uh, which the, we still use ILS to guide the plane when we can't see where we're going to the ground. Oh, okay. Uh, that's you know the that's that's the severity of what can happen. That's why they're saying, hey, put them off, turn them off. Yeah. Because we don't want once you get into uh, range of the telephone, the cell phone towers, and everybody's phone starts going off, it's using signals. These signals can interfere with the guidance system that we're trying to get you on the ground safely. Ah. So that's it. While you're in the air, no, you're not going to have any, you know, your, search, your phone's searching for service and bleeding down the, the battery, but it's never going to find it because you're too, too, too high up. We have, and in the cockpit, I have Wi-Fi that I will connect my phone to where I can still text my fiance or and say, "Hey, we're you know we're getting ready to get ready to land." Or ready to land. Okay, so all right. Be, so I mean, the Wi-Fi you know through course satellites still works. We still use it. We just don't. We have this called a sterile cockpit rule. Anything below ten thousand feet is off. We're not talking. We're focusing on flying the plane, getting the plane on the ground. And generally, that's the same message that they give. They shoot back. Um, to the passengers is okay we're getting ready for an approach we're getting ready to land please you know turn off all your mobile devices and, and, and things and such well i like that because you just look you just gave a rules of engagement uh-huh. and we talk about rules of engagement on the podcast and in the book a rules a perfect rules of engagement for thriving together in life and work so we're at the office you're not in the aviation setting it's okay to say hey millennial boomer xer hey between these hours we focus on this. Let's try to stay off Facebook, Instagram. Let's use those for other other places. Obviously, we know you got to check your phone 2,617 <laughs> times per day. But I, I think that's a good rules of engagement because, I, like myself, I make money off of, I say, my social media because that's how I promote a lot of my episodes, my books. So I get a lot through that. And if I miss two days of not posting – I tell because my listens go up or down. I mean, you can tell by who's viewing and who's not. So I think that's a very good rules of engagement. Um, Everything has a time and a place, everyone. Millennials, boomers, Xers, builders, and iGens. You have to understand, one, where we came from, right? All of us, not just myself as a millennial or Will as an Xer. But you got to understand where you've come from. Understand the new technology that is guiding your workplace today, okay? And one other thing is, is don't assume that all millennials and or boomers are either tech savvy or not. Because some will surprise you. Let's also think about one other thing. Settler versus a native. Just because you think you might be one category does not mean that you are. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're talking about marriage and family. Welcome back, everyone. This is Patrick Kelly, your host for the Millennial Boom Podcast. And we have Captain Will Smith in the house today that we are going to dive deep right into marriage and family. So, parents are boomers. So, this is how I, this is how I look at it. One, two, three strikes you're out. We don't want to go from spouse to spouse as our parents did. They did. It was everybody that I went to high school or middle school with has divorced parents. They're either remarried or three times remarried, which I'm okay with, but I don't want to go through that. So I remember that my mom and dad had no work-life balance. My parents, my parents were not around to help me with my homework. Um, why don't I get me time is what I always said. I was told, hey, if you don't understand the chapter, go read it again. I'm not doing your homework. I mean, everyone fights, argues, yells, and then gets divorced. I mean, that was the boomer, the boomer mentality, right? Or at least that's what I thought. I mean, hey, mom and dad, grow up. Grow up. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. You can't even have a real relationship. So life is not all about work. You want us to grow up and move out. We want you to grow up and be part of our family. There was no communication in in homes. Mom and dad did not communicate with each other or with the kids. It was do what you're told mentality. So the boomers created the issues that drive all of the boomers crazy today. And you're going to talk a little bit about that. Boomers created the issues. They gave us the trophies, told us we were special, and said everything's going to be okay because all these challenges will work out in life. That's what my family, that's what my parents told me. My parents have been divorced. They're both remarried. They live on opposite sides of the country. They have like their own new lives, new families. Um, 
And you and I had a great discussion about marriage and family. Right. So think about it as we discussed, thriving in life and work. How does marriage and family invade the workplace? <clears throat> well, I, I tell you, I've, I've seen it. I'm from my, my parents got divorced when I was seven. <clears throat> and my dad did his thing. My mom did her thing. My mom worked three jobs. My dad kind of just left. And I'd get to see him on the weekends. Um, even as I grew up, uh, I do know that generation from the boomers when it used to be the Ozzy and Harriet where the dad would go out, you know, work. He made enough money to support a household. And when we got to the boomers and to the Generation Xs, uh, we got to the point to where they were struggling because now both parents needed to work to create the same amount of income <clears throat> to be able to support the family. And this is where the family nucleus broke down. Um, and it was no longer that Ozzy and Harriet. We were all trying to figure out how we're going to raise a family together in today's society. Myself, I was so in tuned to my job, my passion of aviation, I missed my second child being born. Not long after that, I developed something called AIDS, Airline Induced Divorce Syndrome. Um, <clears throat> and that was because I was never there. I wasn't there for my wife. I wasn't there for my kids. So yeah, I get it. Uh, we really need to get back to the family nucleus. And I believe m the majority of why some of the millennials um, are, and then the generations after that, uh, are the way they are is with the entitlement issues that, that us older people uh, tend to uh, re reflect on with, with the millennials and beyond uh, is because that, that single parent, generally being the mother, um, is trying to overcompensate for the father not being there for a reason. And that reason is they're like, it's going to be okay. They're being mothers. Mothers are nurturers. You know, they want to tell the child it's going to be okay. They want to tell the child you get a trophy, you know, whether you come in last place or first place. I don't believe in that. I believe in if you start giving out trophies left and right and, and, and Johnny doesn't have to work as hard as, uh, as Sally does, but gets the same, uh, the same trophy at the end, you're not creating uh, a field where people will challenge each other because if I don't have to do anything and you do all the work and then I get the reward just like you do, what, what is there to motivate me to do any work? It creates me to become lazy. It creates me not want to get out. Um, more and more people, you know, today are working from home. Not that it's a bad thing, but I have the, you know, old expression, I don't want to, uh, to eat where I crap. And, you know, that it, by working home, you're kind of doing that. But sometimes we have to, you know, do what we need to do um, to get where we need to be. And I believe if we redevelop the family nucleus, which I think the old souls are starting to come around with the newer generations, and understand how important it is um, to uh, to have that family nucleus and and have and I talk about in my book Ditches to Riches. We need to get back to the basic family principles um, of where there's a nucleus and we do have time to when dad comes home or mom comes home that we have family time where we turn the phones off for an hour to have dinner and talk about our day. And, and plan family vacations to where we go to places. I love going up to Colorado where there is no phone service because now it's just about us as human beings communicating. Uh, so many times you go out to, to dinner and you see the fell families there and they got their iPhone out and their face in it. <clears throat> you know, so it's, um, you know, with that whole family nucleus and that whole family work, we need to really start thinking about the time management and breaking down time to spend with the family. Um, I did it wrong. I did it like I saw it when I was growing up, and we need to really break that chain. I, I mean, I, I do. I, I agree with you. Um, I remember too when when Dad would come home from work. Um, you know, kids would get off school at two fifteen, two thirty. Um, we had one TV in the house when we were younger, one, and I think it was like a thirty-two inch Sony. The box was bigger than I think um, like a big you know, hundred pound boulder. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, we, and I did grow up with just so you know, I did grow up with black and white TV. I mean, I did grow up with one color TV until probably 1998, maybe 97, 98, where I saved $125 and bought my first Orion TV. Like that I had in my room. My brothers didn't have TVs in the room, but there was a TV in the living room and a TV in my bedroom. Um, but I remember coming home, 
my mom would say, no problem. Um, you know, you can watch Nickelodeon. Remember, there's 42 channels back then. That's it, right? I would watch Nickelodeon. But I'm telling you, as soon as my father pulled in the driveway, my mother would get off the TV. Your, your father's home. Um, blah, 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 blah. And, and I would, and I, it would scare me. I mean, it, it literally would. It would, it would scare me because I, I didn't know, I didn't know what to think. And, and sure enough, guess what? After a couple times being on the, uh, uh, TV, when dad got home, we got yelled at. Mm-hmm. It was his time. Yeah. Dad would come home, make a vodka cranberry, light up a cigarette or a cigar and watch friends, Frasier. I mean, right. You're laughing because you know these, right. But this is what happened. And we weren't even allowed to like talk to our dad the first like hour he was home because he like had to decompress. Right. Right. Exactly. And I see that as a big fault because now we were striving to get our parents' attention growing up. And then when they come home, they just kind of push you to the side because they need to decompress. Decompress. Right. Because why? Their whole life has been not a work-life balance. It's been about putting food on the table. And I remember my father always saying that to me as a kid. I have to go to work so you can eat. I've never thought about that in my entire life. I never think, how am I going to eat today? Right. I never think, how am I going to put gas in the car? I've always worked smart and hustled my entire life. My goals, when I look at money, I'm like, hmm, you think I can afford that in five years? Like, you know what I mean? Right. It's like, yeah. it's not thinking Where like, am I going to be? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's never like, I have to go to work today. And I always coin the work's not somewhere you go. It's something you do. Right. right? Exactly. And it is. I think that has played a huge part because parent, my parents... A lot of boomer parents, one of the millennials to come home from school, uh, go to baseball, basketball, soccer, so they still have their time to themselves. I remember I would stay at home when I was eight years old because my parents were going out at the age of 40. I won't leave my kid with a babysitter to these days, right? And I I didn't see that because my parents were, my my mother, uh, she basically raised me on her own, she was working. So my free time was I, you know, was very active in sports and played soccer and stuff, and that's what I did for my extracurricular activity. Um, it, it wasn't about you know staying home um, because there was there was nothing there. So it's uh, I get it. It's a struggle right now, but you know we need to start going. I think really looking back on creating stronger souls, um, creating you know. Uh, independent women or you know that's a big thing that's a big movement right now <clears throat> it's getting to the point they say well we don't need men in our lives yeah and we we need to get away from that um, there there's a reason in, in all walks of life you know there's a lion and then there's a lioness and we, we need to have that family nucleus of man and and, and wife um, a, a child uh, we just really need to look at that um, there should always be two parents uh, to raise a child uh, because a child needs to learn about compassion and sensitivity from a mother, but the child also needs to learn on how to go out there and make a living and support a family. And there's there's two different gender roles for that. Um, but now it just seems like it's getting to the point to where there's just one. Well, we don't need each other. So you, there's no more unity. Uh, it, there, there seems to, to be we really need to get back to the basis of the family nucleus and the family unity and start creating unity and stop creating division. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I 100% agree with you. Um, you know, and looking through a lot of uh, different scenarios too, I mean, think about it. I mean, when the boomers grew up, I mean, they were in the, I would say the time of like the flower power in the age of the Aquarius, the love stage of 1969. I mean, a lot of the boomers were hippies. It was love, peace, and hair grease. Right? And yeah. here's the funny thing. The builders, builders of our, you know, entire economy, right? Go all the way back, right? Rockefeller, Ford, all these guys, the early 1800s, which were our builder generation, the greatest generation ever lived in the United States, right? Correct. I mean, they, the builders handed over all the companies to the boomers because they were tired at the age of 55 Correct. back then. And the boomers were the, the offspring of after the Great Depression. I mean, that you know that's where that whole thing started. 72 million baby boomers. That's why they're called yeah. boomers. baby boomers right. because they were booming mm-hmm. after war, the war. Correct. So, and, you know, and then it's funny because even the boomers came into the thought of material, materialism that um, here's, here's one thing. After the end of a period of great sacrifice during World War II, Americans entered a time of prosperity. 
They did. About the time, uh, what, 20 years after they were buying things. They were buying million dollar houses were being built because the economy started doing great right after the depression happened. I mean, everything started getting better. So boomers started coming in the age of materialism. Um, it's funny because I feel that some, it, what did I ask you when uh, I was coming here? I said, you could follow me in. What are you in? A Mercedes. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm in a Beamer. <laughs> and I go, of course you are. Right. Because those are the right. That's a generalization though, yeah. that the materialism of, of each generation, but each one of these things affects life and work. Cause are you married to work? Are you getting the BMW or Mercedes to help your status at your job to make you look good at, in, in the workplace? Right. Right. Are you, what are you sacrificing for your kid? Like you see what I'm saying? So there's a lot of those things that we, that we got. Um, and then think about instant gratification and credit cards. You talked about instant gratification. When I was growing up, 18 years old, you didn't have to have a 600 credit to get a credit card. Right. You applied for a credit card. You got, a credit you got a credit card, which is why so many millennials and Xers are in debt too, because they got credit cards, started putting school on, well, started taking loans out. Either. You know, no they limits. just had that little machine that you'd swipe back and forth, you know, and then that was it. There was no way of checking to see what your how much you there was spending. no internet back then. Exactly, yeah, exactly. you'd have to keep track of it in your head. You just get a bill then, and once you spent twenty grand on the credit card, and you would say, "Oh yeah. my god, my limit was only two fifty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how did I do that? How did, how did I do that? So, I mean, even then, so a lot of things have happened within those times, right? A lot of changes. So this is all affected. Marriage and family has everything to do with work. If the school nurse calls and says your son or your daughter is sick today. We need you to come pick them up. I remember going to the office and them saying, you know, we, would you like us to call your mom? I would say, no, she's just going to make me stay here anyways. Yep. That's what our parents said to us back then. It didn't matter if we had 104 fever and the, and the nurse was telling us to go home. My parents thought I can't leave work. I will not be able to put food on the table. Mm -hmm. I will not be or able to. Or they're afraid that leaving work too much, they lose their job. Right, because some bosses, you know, that don't have a, a, a kids, well, like, no, you're here to work. I don't care who's sick, and if you keep on doing this, you're not going to have a job here, you know. And that's that was what you know I, I was dealing with when my second child was born, and I called the department. I was doing a check ride with FAA. It's like, well, yeah, you can leave, but you won't have a job when you come back. So I had to choose between my career and being there for the birth of my second child. Wow. And, I, and I, I chose my career, and I looked at my, my ex-wife. She just couldn't believe it. She goes, I can't believe you, you chose that. I was like, well, what am I come home, and now we have a baby, and we already have this, our second child, and I have no job and no income? How am I going to support you? How am I going to support the kids? Yeah. You know, we, the rent doesn't get paid. Uh, we get evicted. Crazy out of the mentality. I, I ready? You know, and that's how I think. And I was like, and if we don't pay the electric bill, they turn off the electric. They don't care about this situation. They don't care about our family. All they care about is that you pay your bill at the end of the month. And this yeah. is where this is where we strive towards. Is you know you get yourself into all this debt, which you know you caused. Your best thinking got you where you exactly where you are today. If you're in debt, it's your fault. If you're not in a happy job, it's your fault. You know. Your decisions brought you exactly where you are, and I had a good grasp and understanding of that a long time ago. That's why I try to share with people. You know, sometimes we got to make rough decisions, and I did. And the consequence of me not leaving and coming to see the birth of my second child is I have a shaky relationship with my youngest son right now because he thought that he uh, he wasn't important enough for me to be there. And you know, and this is. It, you know, it hurts, but it also cost me my uh, my marriage. So there was a huge sacrifice, and um, the end result was, um, you know, there, there's always consequences to one's actions, and those are the consequences, and that was my reality. And I just had to, you know, now that I'm older, you know, I would probably change things a little bit, but it's, it's that generation that we live in. Well, I think, too, and that's what's created the latchy kids. Mm-hmm. It did. We created latchy kids because of that. Yep. So there's a lot of kids that are out there, right? Uh, first generation experience. Even like you said, a lot of moms going to work. Um, these things are happening because of really unstable homes, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That's why it's happening. So again, I, I, I keep saying this over and over again, is thriving in life and work. Because what we do out of work will help our workforce, our entrepreneurs. I mean, 
our pilots, everybody be better people right. when they're at their job. So, and then we also talked about a little bit about living a whole lot longer nowadays. So we talked about the greatest generation. Men died around their, their, their reti- I mean, what, retired in their mid-60s and died before they were 85. Men and women are living to 85 to 100 now. Right. So why would you want to retire at 55 and have 40 years of doing nothing? <laughs> but think about it like this. You work for 65 years to have 11 to 10 years to do whatever you want. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, balance there. It doesn't seem fair, does it? It doesn't seem fair at all. So, And that's why I always say is I, I'm scared of a 9 to 5. I mean, Timothy Ferris says it best, right? Escape the 9 to 5 four-hour work week. I got the book on the shelf right behind us. This is the second time I've, I've, I've uh, endorsed Timothy Ferris on my show. Um, we're not, we're, he's not affiliated with the show, but right. Timothy Ferris is, is, is a great role model of that nine to five. And I've read his book so many times. And again, the nine to five scares me to go to a job because I've got so many projects on without, you know, the job um, that, you know, make income and do these things. I don't think to myself like, oh, is the electric bill going to get shut off? Well, yeah, the electric bill is going to get shut off if I stay in bed all day. But if I'm out here hustling, you know, working on all my projects that I have, you know what I mean? It's like, how am I, I can't ever think, you know, I can't do this. Well, nine to five is routine people. They just, they get in that routine. They're happy. They don't want to go from $50,000 a year to $80,000 a year. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. But that's their routine. You and I are reflective people. You know, we look from one week to the next on how we could have done something to, uh, better to get further to help more people. And that's the difference between a routine person and a reflective person. Uh, but that, you know, it is what it is. And that's your nine to fivers. They, they will work 40 years um, and retire thinking they're going to have a pension. But there's, uh, I was talking about this uh, uh, this morning, there's not a whole lot of companies that you put 40 years in and you have a pension to fall back on or benefits. Aviation, it just happens to, you know, is one of them. But if you look, you're working and you're dedicating 40 years of your life to a company that you're replaceable. And then when you get closer to that retirement age, they, you know, they can fire you and say, okay, see you later. And you have no pension, no, then what are you going to do? Yeah. And they can fire you within 30 seconds. I always say it's the funniest thing. It takes seven interviews to get hired, but 30 seconds seconds to fire you. Exactly. Right. And I, and that's, and that all has to do with marriage and family because how do you try again? My, uh, one of my brothers has been interviewing for a top multi-billion dollar or sorry, trillion dollar supply chain company there's only you know one of them around so you know you take the guess (laughs) but um he's flown out to seattle nine times nine times and i mean he hasn't got the job yet but i mean i don't understand that i I really don't are they getting i mean if you're getting to know someone that well to come work for you i think it should take nine interviews to uh to fire you as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, that doesn't make sense. I mean, what 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 did what are you going to see on the night time that you didn't see on the first and second? Right. You know? But even then, I've worked for Fortune 200 companies. Mm-hmm. Same thing. I've yeah. flown out to meet the president, flown out to meet the general manager, flown out, and I'm sitting here going, "You guys are getting to know me. I understand that." But then, as in this whole job, right as we're working, you should know me. You shouldn't have to fire someone in 30 seconds. It should be right. more of a conversation because if you're that valuable, right? Like you just right. said, the pensions, everything then you should be able to retain that employee. So that's where we lead into boomers have really coined that they're workaholics for life. They are. I mean, somehow the entire quest for success and financial security and even prosperity has shaped boomers into a generation of workaholics. I mean, workaholics put their job before their marriage and their children. So for all these reasons alone and a whole lot more, boomers have a pretty poor track record when it comes to broken homes and divorce. Okay. Um, I don't see that heavily within the millennials and boomers. One, because I, I see, I'm not going to give you the percentage, but the percentage is very, very low at the divorce rate of millennials because millennials aren't getting married now until they're in their late 30s. Right. My best friend from high school, uh, 17 years we've been friends. He's been married for two years. He just, he just got married. Like My kids are 10, and he's just now planning to have kids. And he's been in a job now for 10 years where he's been uh, married to the job. What's he going to do when 
the wife starts calling him for prescriptions. Hey, we got to pick up little Johnny from school. Hey, this is what's going on. And people got to start understanding to embrace that marriage and work because well, if, I mean, I think that personally that's good because you can't really raise a family. You can't have a child raise a child. And you've got to have some type of financial stability, um, you know, to uh, before you start a family because that's a big embarkment. Uh, that's a big financial responsibility. And in our 20s, we should be defining ourselves and our careers and getting stable in that. And once we're stable in our career um, and our, in our job life, then we can start in our 30s thinking about raising a family uh, because your maturity levels have, are, have grown. You've learned more. You have more knowledge that will help you um, raise your child. But a 20-year-old or 19-year-old doesn't need to be having children. I've got a great niece that's 18 and she's pregnant. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I I always say this. I 100% agree with you. I believe that as children, 16, even to 18, 18 still kind of a child because they're just getting into it. I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't want my son or daughter at the age of 18 to have a child. Um, but I also say I wouldn't mind. The reason I say that is because I, I my wife, ever since I've been with my wife since she was 16, she's worked at daycares. She told me when I first met her that she wants kids. 16 years old this girl told me she wanted kids <laughs> yeah. and then said not now right later but later and if you right. if you're not down and i'm sitting i'm 16 i'm 16 going what are you talking about right <laughs> my son was uh born at uh, 26 my daughter was born uh i was just they're almost it was the year of turning 30 um and i always say i'm glad i had my kids in my 20s because I feel that my, I guess you could say my path of success is leading me to do a lot, a lot of different things that I didn't do back then. So I'm starting to travel more. I'm starting to have time where I need more time to myself. And as they're getting older, they need time to themselves. Mm -hmm. So I always say it's a very good idea to have children young. And even someone like my wife, as soon as she got out of high school, she was like, I don't want kids. But as soon as I get done with college, I want kids. Like, you're cool with that, right? Like it was constant of her telling me that she wants kids. So I think it's okay. I think it's okay to have kids in your 20. If you're ready. For if it. you're ready for it. Um, but I agree. Um, I, I found those stats, by the way. Marital status for millennials as of 2017. Keep in mind, we published the book in 2018. So these are a little bit old numbers. But single and never married, 75% of, the, of 82 million people. 75% are, are single, right. living the bachelor life mm -hmm. or bachelorette like. Yep. Hey, all you bachelors, bachelorettes out there, have fun. <laughs> Enjoy. Get it Enjoy. All right. Get, it all, Get out. it all out. Get the fantasies out of the way because guess what? Everything with marriage and children affect the workplace. So yeah. get it out now because as you get older, you, you're, everybody expects more from you. Everybody. So single to married, 75%. Never married, sorry. Married, 21%. Wow. Separated, 4%. I mean, that's that, that's huge because the boomers, I, I I don't have the numbers, but the boomers was a huge percent of uh, of divorce, their divorce oh, rate. Yeah, it was, it was it up was near like 40, 60, 50, yeah, yeah 40, 50% or something. Yeah. It, it was huge. And if you got married a second time, it went up even more. I mean, I'm getting my second marriage at, at 40, you know, what am I now? 47 years old. Um, and um, I'm more ready for it now than I was when I got married back in my 20s. Uh, I was not ready to raise a family and get married when I was in my 20s. I thought I was because, you know, that just seems like what you were supposed to do. Um, but I just followed. I felt like I was following, following a trend when I got married the first time. Uh, you know? I, and I think that's what's expected, right? You know, you get out, you get out of high school. You go to college, you get married, you have kids, you get into the status quo, but it's not. So, and I go through when I, when I talk, um, in my other podcasts, um, you know, millennials talk about things that really defined them and created a better work-life balance, but it was, it was being a good parent, you know, making sure you were there for your kids' birthdays. You told me, you know, missing, uh, the birth of your child, um, all these things, Birthdays, you know, Christmases, you got to be there my industry and I wasn't there and I missed out a lot on that. And if you're not there, that's why technology is here today. Right. And then we also helping others in need. Right. I mean, look, um, I like to say it how it is. You're helping me with the podcast. 
I'm helping you. You know what I mean? Right. It's like helping others in need and being able to develop a sign of community. Um, the other generations seem to keep things behind closed doors or have the back alley agreements to where you didn't know what was going on. There right. wasn't so much transparency. So believing right. that, um, a lot of the millennials aren't owning houses either. They want to go to the I go the urban lifestyle, right? Where you can walk out your door, boom, you know, and you walk to work, and you walk to Just work. Like the down, downtown cities, there, and that's what I see. They they're enjoying. They don't want to drive cars. No. So think about these things, right? High-paying careers, owning a house, um, free time. I mean, these are all things that millennials really see. But you are Generation X. That's what you are. So when you see these things, such as free time, um, such as, and, and you talked to me the other day about free time because you said, hey, Patrick, when I'm not flying, I could set dates to where we can you know, maneuver around. I mean, you have that free time. The difference is, is that the generations coming up today, they expect the free time. Mm -hmm. Why? Because everything is so accessible via technology. Why do I need to be at work when I can do everything that you need me to do sitting right here via my computer, right. via at, my technology? Yeah. yeah. So I would say to you, when you look at marriage and family, and what are your top three on how to be, how to keep your work-life balance with your family? <clears throat> Never never bring your work home and a lot of people do that when you do that it it, it makes the family uh, it takes away from the family nucleus makes the wife or the child feel like that your work is more important than they are um, always always have family time and this is about using time management um, there we, we really need to work on having dinner uh, you know with the family when everyone's home uh, I remember back um, when I was growing up, every Sunday the family would come over and we'd have this big uh, meal where the brothers and the sisters and um, you know your 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 cousins or your nephews where we, we would have that together. We don't have that anymore. Uh, but time management is the big one. You know, leave your work at home, spend more quality time with your children uh, because children are, are they're they're molded. They're like putty, and it's our responsibility as a parent. To create, you know, learn, t help uh, help them learn values um, that family is important, um, love, compassion, uh, but also nothing in life is for free. Um, the best things that you get in life, you have to work hard for. There's no free meal ticket in life, and and that's you know, in the child will see it when you're at work and you're working hard to take care of the family, but what they really will see is when you leave your work hat at the door when you come home, and it's about them. And that's you know, that's what we really need to, to work out, making it about them and recreating that nucleus and having that strong family um, togetherness. I like it. And you know, one, a couple other things we probably need to do is understand and appreciate how the other generations you know, kind of form their views on marriage and family. I mean, look, I, I learned a, a little bit from you just sitting here today about your personal marriage. I mean, you you were scheduled to be on a flight. I mean, can a pilot call in right away and say, hey, you know, sorry, my wife wants me home today. It's Christmas. You know, those are things that you had to do. I mean, I remember my dad was in sales. You know, I remember him being in like Paris or London or Germany for like two months one time. And he would call us, oh, I wish I was home. I wish I was home. And on looking back at it, I've been to multiple different countries. I always planned it around where my wife was off work or she was had her summer break or the, my kids had been to Japan, Korea, China. They, they were with me. So like I never understood that. I don't think, I think it's a choice. Like yeah. you said, it's a choice that you in your head make and then you have consequences to deal with that. Whether they're good or bad, consequences are not just negative, right? There's, right. Positive, there's positive and there's negative there. ones. So, um, you know, it, it's crazy. And I would say, do, here's a question I have for you. Do you agree or disagree with the conclusions that we make about how boomers and millennials, how their marriage and families were shaped? Do you agree or disagree how we, how we kind of, how I explained it? Does it seem like we were pretty spot on? Yeah, I, 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 I agree with a lot of it. There, there's a lot of, you know, we, we are products of our environment, you know, um, and depending on whether you are you know are raised in America or raised in Asia you know everyone has a, a different or, or they're surrounded by you know 
different ethnic backgrounds, cultures of that nature, and what the family nucleus is. You know, is the divorce rate higher in America than anywhere else? Probably so. Um, but we're in a different culture, and we become products of this environment. And this is sometimes we start accepting, well, this is just how it's supposed to be, and not really rethinking, does it need to be like this? Um, and like I said, we just really need to start rethinking. Uh, Agreed. What's important to us. I agree. So I would say boomer millennial views towards marriage and family are completely different. But um, it does not mean that we can't learn from each other, right? right? I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things that we're trying to accomplish here is thriving in life and work. I mean, don't paint the picture of marriage and family with one stroke, right? As I always say, I mean, it takes many strokes of a paintbrush to, ma to make a painting. To make a Picasso. Yes. Right? You have right. to, right? right? Regardless of where you're at, you have to. Um, so, Will, Will th thanks for coming on board today. I, I really appreciate your, I would say, your your wealth of knowledge um, coming from the aviation industry, uh, talking about technology, uh, talking about work. If, if someone wants to get a hold of you, how do we uh, how do we reach out to you and how do we connect with you? Well, I have a website called CaptainWillSmith.com. You can always reach me through there. Um, with the, uh, the, I have a landing page where you can email me. Uh, you can also purchase the books, or uh, if you know you want to go onto Amazon, I do have the digital version that you can upload to the iPad. So if you if you're going to Google Captain Will Smith, I, I pop up everywhere, um, and uh, Amazon, of course, has my books as, as well. Awesome, I appreciate that. And uh, remember, if any of you would like to come on the show and talk about your personal experience. Uh, about the millennial boom, if you're a iGen, millennial, Xer, or baby boomer, even a builder, we'd love to have you on the show to talk about the generalizations that plague the workplace. Thank you all for joining this week. I appreciate you listening. Come join the boom, millennial boom. Remember, I'm your host, Patrick Kelly. Hey, don't forget to hit the subscribe button below to get updates on the millennial boom. And hey, if you have time, please leave a review. We would love to hear back from you. Again, join us on social media as well. YouTube, Facebook, Millennial Boom Now. Twitter, at PatrickKelly85. Instagram and TikTok, ThePatrickKelly85. And check out my book on my website at ThePatrickKelly.com. Order now. Hey, I look forward to chatting with you each week. This is going to be a great, valuable time. And hey, I'm glad you joined the boom, Millennial Boom.